this is a brand new way to record, to present In Gold Radio, the podcast, because we are doing this in the most unique fashion ever. In Gold Radio, the podcast presented by the Hockey Shop, source for sports, Langley, and thehockeyshop.com. I am at the home office of In Gold Radio, the podcast in the United States, in Las Vegas, Nevada, but Hutch and Woody. Uh, you guys are driving around. You guys are in a car right now recording this while it's moving. I'm not sure it's it's physically safe, but the sacrifices and the the extent that you guys go to make this happen is incredible. Thank goodness we have remote mics, so I don't actually have to hold the mic and do anything illegal while we're driving here. Um, it's this is this is a new one for us. We did do the original first podcast edition, the interview with Roberto Luongo, but this is the first time we've recorded the intros with two of us in a car. I'm driving. My brother-in-law's Tesla, by the way. So it would have been nice if he had the self-drive option. I could just push a button and focus entirely on you guys. The good news is I can drive and just talk because you can do that. Um, coming back from practice with the Ontario rain, just spent a little time with Matt Millar, the goalie coach, Kings development goalie coach, watch Cal Peterson, watch Matt Vallalta, uh, a nice little morning skate and some good practice times. Now we're on our way back and, uh, we don't like to waste any time here at Ingle cause we don't have any spare time. So we're recording the podcast while we drive. Yes, we are. It's kind of a perfect day, isn't it? Beautiful, sunny day out. We get to start before breakfast at the hockey shop and then we get to watch professional goaltenders in their element, doing their thing. And follow that up with a nice conversation with Darren Millard. Doesn't get any better. I feel like I am living life like I won a contest to shadow In Goal Magazine, In Goal Radio, the podcast. Like I won one of those uh, raffles at a golf tournament because just being able to sit back and watch you guys traverse all around and uh, do the interviews and get the information and then record while we're uh, while you're moving in, in a vehicle. Uh, is just uh, next level uh, dedication, quite honestly. And you guys should be you guys should be commended for it. I just want to tell you guys that I, I do appreciate it. Uh, and in goal rate of the podcast, uh, doing this uh, the way that we are today, uh, it, it's right there with a goalie goal or or a goalie fight, uh, which which we almost had the other day uh, with with Jordan Bennington and and Mark Andre Fleury. Uh, it came so close to to actually occurring and almost blew up the internet. I do feel like everybody's being a little bit unfair to the two linesmen. I mean, they did deprive us of something that would have been absolutely spectacular. And can you believe it was done on a day that Marc-Andre Fleury was mic'd up to? I mean, it couldn't have been any better than that. But I'm not sure how many people out there realize, but as soon as they took their helmets off the linesmen were obligated by rule to step in and stop it. It wasn't a choice they made. Uh, I got a text message that was sent from another NHL goalie coach during the, uh, during the game, just to explain that that's exactly what happened and, and that the world shouldn't be losing their minds from a procedural standpoint. But, oh my gosh, that was something that I think everybody was looking forward to seeing. And as I understand, it's something that Marc-Andre Fleury had on his career checklist too. So, Yeah, I know. I mean... <laughs> It's interesting, right? Because so that's the rule. As soon as the helmets come off, as soon as a player takes his helmet off, they're supposed to intervene and, and, and prevent the fight from happening. But as a goalie, like you have to take your helmet off to fight. So we may never see it. We again. may never see a goalie fight in the NHL. We may have to live vicariously through what we see in the minors. And we've had a couple of beauties down there, by the way. I heard of one variation. 
Apparently a junior fight happened last year. The two goalies sort of nodded at each other and they took the other guy's helmet off before the fight. And somehow that stopped the officials from jumping in. I love Jordan Bennington. I really do. And if, if he needs that, if he requires that to, to, to make him tick, uh, I'm fine with it. Not all goaltenders are, are made the same. Uh, there's chippy goaltenders, there's calm goaltenders, there's nervous goaltenders, uh, there's goaltenders that are athletic, uh, there's goaltenders that are are more boxy. So uh, if he if he needs it, as long as he's willing to accept the punishment or the penalty, fine. Uh, his goaltender uh, coach talked to him, his coach talked to him, his manager talked to him. Uh, he still uh, did that the other day, and uh, it would seem to be more a frustration or more sending a message to anybody. Uh, because they were not very uh, strict or dialed in defensively during that game, but uh, but I, honestly, I, I I don't mind the uniqueness of Jordan Bennington's game. I know some people are saying like like can he can he finally fight, but uh, or get it over with with all the antics. But I I'm okay with it. Oh man, we're always going to have the goalie side on the Ingo Radio podcast. I think uh, I'm pretty sure that there'll be a knock at the door, even if it's the car door today asking for our union card back if we didn't. Um, that said, I mean, you punch a guy at the blocker, you know what's coming, right? Like, that's just the rules. You got to think there's a suspension coming, um, and he gets two. Yeah, it, it kind of is an automatic. I'm not surprised at all. Um, do I have sympathy? I mean, it's a tough night. I mean, but that's the job sometimes. Um, you know, I do know that there are times when he goes into that act specifically to just fire up a team on a night when they're not into it. And, you know, and it's, it's worked. It's pre planned. It's, it's worked. He's had comebacks as a result of it. I think for people watching from the outside, they get a little tired of the act. Um, but like I said, like we've talked to, you know, members of the Blues about how in the early going when he did that, there were nights when they would come back based on getting fired up from Binner's act. I just wonder if maybe. You go to the well a few times too often, and uh, it becomes harder to sympathize with him. Regardless, at the end of the day, um, I, I have trouble arguing with the suspension. The match penalty is automatic. I mean, I've been there myself. May have been booted out of a league once for Evan. punching a guy in the head with the blocker. Um, so it's just it's a no-no. We all know it as goalies, right? Like We can't complain about getting hit in the head and, and concussions and things like that. If we're going to take something as hard and firm as a blocker and punch somebody else in the head, you got to expect repercussions. And he got them. Okay, I might be wearing my goalie union hat here, but the thing that went through my mind, especially reading the reaction on social, is it's a little bit of a positionist take on things. I mean, everybody's saying that Jordan Binnington isn't well, needs counseling. He's got to get this all sorted out. And yet, how many players over the years have been celebrated for the same kind of an act trying to walk the line, cross the line, stir up their own team, stir, you know, get under the skin of the other team. Uh, the famous rats of the game who are great players and can make things happen out there, you know, through the mind games and, and Jordan Bennington's playing that same game to some extent. And yeah, you can say that's not the place of the goaltender. It's not the way to encourage somebody to play and that it doesn't help them be effective in the net. But at the same time, to start suggesting the guy's not unwell when he's doing the exact same thing we've celebrated so many players over the years doing, I have a bit of a problem with that. I don't mind it either that a goalie plays on the edge. Ron Hextall is celebrated for, for all the uh, antics that he put forward when he was a player in the National Hockey League. And if you fire up your team, uh, go for it. If that's what you need to lean on uh, as a player, 
then then do it. If you're going to accept the punishment that comes with it and the penalty, which in this case is a is a two game suspension. Like his coach called him out earlier this year in uh, uh, Craig Berube, and he still went back and did it in in that situation. Uh, and so he he obviously uh, feels the need to defend himself or or his team in that regard. Uh, we've got the gear segment coming up on our feature interview this week presented by Sensorina. Sensorina VR is Stephen Valquette from ClearSight Analytics. Uh, we talked to him once before, uh, got a background of his playing career and uh, and uh, playing in the National Hockey League. This is going to be a whole different uh, aspect uh, on the analytic uh, conversation. Uh, but before we get to that, uh, let's get the update from the Hockey Shop, thehockeyshop.com, a source for sports, Langley. Woody. Okay, so... Right before I go to the hockey shop update, I got to say there is a silver lining to Jordan Bennington's two game suspension, even if Jordan probably isn't happy with it. What's the next best thing to a goalie fight? Goalie goal? Goalie goal. What could happen now? Joel Hofer getting the call up. I don't know if you saw this last week, Darren. He went for the empty net three times in the same game. First one missed, and then he hit each post. Kid you not, same game, left post. Right post and out ended up with ended wow. up with a helper after the last one. Uh, I think his after the last one hit the post, his teammate skated onto it, and I believe it was Martin Furk completed a hat trick by tapping it into the empty net. So um, we've talked about goalies that can chuck it. We got to see Linus Allmark score a goal. Man, give Hofer a couple of starts, give him a lead. I know that's not easy to come by in St. Louis these days, and I guarantee you, you're going to see him take a shot. So. There's the positive out of that. Now let's go to the hockey shop because there's lots of positives there too. Before we get to the gear segment, just got to remind you, they've got their spring break sale on now. Uh, All kinds of discounts on previous models. It's a great time of year as the new stuff comes in. And we're going to talk about the Bauer Hyperlite 2 to get lower prices on some of the old stock they still have in. One of the benefits of being such a big store with so much goalie-specific inventory is that as we move from one generation to the next, sometimes there's leftovers in that inventory. And right now, all of it's on sale at thehockeyshop.com. So make sure you check out their spring break sale uh, for discounts on a wide range of items from a wide range of brands. And in terms of things that aren't on sale, let's check in with Cam right now and get a lowdown on the Bauer Hyperlite 2. The customizer went live. And while this, the pad isn't actually on the shelf in retail outlets yet, as soon as that customizer goes live, you can actually order gear through, well, you can build it through the Bauer website and then order it through stores like the hockey shop at thehockeyshop.com and through Cam. And it's really important to do that to get guys that, you know, Cam's had the gear. He knows what it's all about. He'll be able to tell you how it fits, how it plays, what options you should be looking at at the customizer. So he walked us through a whole bunch of them this week to help our audience better understand what they should be looking for in the new Bauer Hyperlite 2 customizer. Welcome back to the Hockey Shop, source for sports. I caught Cam over here near the sharpening area with my computer because the new Bauer Hyperlite 2 customizer has launched. But going through the order, doing your customization. Yeah, that's somewhat easy, although I'm a nitwit, I need his help. But at the end of the day, I'm gonna need him to order it anyways. Where else sure. would you order it from? Cam's had the gear on, he has samples here, you know, wanna check it out before you order. 
Well, we want people want to check it out before they order. He knows what it's all about. So you can do your customization on your computer and then you bring it in here to place your order. Me, I need a little help. We're going to walk you through the Bauer Hyperlite 2 customizer right now. And Cam, I guess the first thing we start with is... Where do you go? What do you mean, where do I go? Well, first of all, you start with Bauer.com. And then go over to their custom tab. And then you want to go to custom goalie. Goalie gear. That's the one. Dun, dun, dun. Okay, so my first two options, obviously we have the Supreme Mock is still there. But my first two options are Pro Custom and the Vapor Hyperlite Customizer. So at a starting point, yes, you'll see Vapor Hyperlite and Supreme Mock. So that is just their standard custom option. So what that will give you is colors and some minor specs that will also allow you to put your name on your gear. Next level of custom, which is Pro Custom, which we'll zero in here a little bit more because there's definitely a couple key features that are worth showing off. So, including, we might as well get it out of the way at the top because everyone's going to be talking about the ability to get their version of the 580 brake in your glove, pro custom only. Goodness. Okay, select your gear. What do I got here? Pads, glove blocker. We want all three, right? Let's do it. Okay, we're going to start with the pads. Vapor Hyperlite 2. Obviously, if we want to customize the graphics, I think that's pretty self-explanatory. Correct. Well, you have the ability here at this point now to say if you really like the mock graphic, but you wanted the Hyperlite pad, change that to only available at the pro custom tab some people prefer that mock graphic some prefer that hyperlight you can do vice versa multiple different zones there's some really cool things you can do with the look here we'll let you play with that you'll lose an entire weekend we want to get into the nitty-gritty of construction so i go to construction tab next select pads here's the ability to pick two. we're going to pick the hyperlight too select your glove here's where you have that opportunity for that new feature that vapor 90 catcher or the regular Hyperlite 2 catcher. Okay, so and I think this is important. What is a Vapor Hyperlite 2 catcher? What is that brake angle gonna be? Because for most people, they're probably just into the Hyperlite 2 customizer, not in this Pro Custom. Correct, so we're talking about what would be their 590 version. So your 60 degree brake in terms of your closure on your hand. This gives you that ability of, to bring that index finger down to the base of your palm as you're closing that glove. Something that's been available in true CCM for quite a long time. Um, also building off of what would have Basically been the Hyperlite 590. 1 capture yeah, as well. Okay. Like your blocker, pretty straightforward stuff here. Okay, colors. Once pads. again, pick your colors. Pad specs. Here's where things can get a little bit interesting because you can start to build the two pads into one another, start to change things up. Hyperlite 2 is going to be designed to be their softest iteration uh, in terms of pad flexibility. It's also going to give you the option to change the boot flex if you want to change the thickness of the boot, and change that overall feel. So first, thigh flex. Thigh flex. Hyperlite 2 is the soft, softest flex to start out with. And interestingly enough, based on our old pad flex video, or our pad flex videos, there's a lot of curb there. Exactly. Okay. So we've gone ahead and select uh, overall thigh flex. So moving on. Boot flex. So you get their thin and thick option when it comes to the Hyperlite pad itself. So that thin profile is at a 100 degree angle. That thicker profile is still at that same angle, but it is going to increase the overall thickness of the boot. As stated, obviously, what that will do is it can kick the pad up on you a little bit higher as well. Okay, and so I, I got to be clear here, though, and this is the problem with us going into the Pro Customizer. This is Pro Customizer only. Mm -hmm. The stock on the Hyperlite, if you're doing a customizer on the Hyperlite 2 stock customizer, the thin profile with the 100 degree angle that's what comes stock. This, the, the ability to choose thick is only in the Pro Customizer. So if you're in the regular Hyperlite yes. 2, 
thin profile, 100 degree brake, that's what's stock on the new Hyperlite. And don't forget, this is a, Hyperlite 2 is a new pad for a lot of people, so they don't know what the stock options are. So we right. want to make sure we explain that. So pad specs, soft, 100, 100 degree brake for them, 100 degree angle is that flat boot. It's not a steep boot like the ultrasonic. It's going to sit a little lower Correct. on top of the skate. Next. Another new feature coming up here as well. Select knee block. Knee block first. You still have your Vapor Stabila Slide and Stabila Flex. Obviously, Stabila Flex is on your Vapor. Stabila Slide is what you're going to find on your Supersonic Supreme, Supreme line. Yeah. So um, a little more flexibility. As much as it's all about that one piece knee, the Vapor line, which is what the Hyperlite 2 is in, has a little bit more give to it than the super rigid Stabila slide that originally debuted on the ultrasonic with the Supreme line. So we're in the Pro Customizer. If I were in the Hyperlite Customizer, we know that Stabila Flex is standard with the Vapor line. Can you choose the Stabila slide from the Supreme line without going Pro Custom? Can you get it in the regular Hyperlite Customizer? That is correct, actually, you can. More options are better. What's going to be stock? Obviously, on the wall, when you get your retail supply, that's going to be Stabila Slide. Stabila Flex. Stabila Flex. My... Yeah, there you go. So you can get confusing. That's what we're here for. Next option. Select your knee wing. And this is pretty simple. Um, you can either have it sewn in, and this is where that knee strap, that elastic knee strap, wraps around and attaches on the outside of the pad around the knee. You can have it sewn in, high or low. There's two different points, and I believe that's Pro Custom only or you can just have an adjustable Velcro tabs, easy to take in and out, and also different anchor points on that, you can have it higher or low. Or if you don't use it, just completely remove it. And that's also an option, and that's option on their stock customizer as well. Okay, next up in the custom options, calf bracket. So a new feature. Now, new feature, but is this a new feature for Hyperlite 2 customizer or only Pro Custom? No, this is a new feature in general that we're touching on here. So Hyperlite 2, has now brought over that same mock integrated calf bracket that's into the core of the pad that is now releasing with the stock pad. In the Pro Customizer, this gives you the option to go without it if you choose to still like what you saw in Hyperlite 1, so a little bit more flexibility out of the pad, especially that lower calf uh, area. If you're looking for that more stability, this is what comes stock on the pad. The Pro Customizer allows you to remove it if you did want. The stock customizer is automatically going to have it on there with a no choice to remove. So this is the lower calf sort of where you land the sliding plate underneath the calf, that area. It's now integrated more into the pad. Came stock on mock like that. Correct. Now you have the ability to actually, it's stock on Hyperlite as well, but you have the ability to go without it. Now as you were looking at your bootstrap there, in terms of for your option, uh, whether or not you wanted a leather bootstrap, the short or long elastic strap coming stock onto it, or just having none at all. Um, this is going to be an option on your uh, regular customizer as well. Kind of fast forwarding through a couple of more of the things. Towbridge. Towbridge is customizable. What's going to be stock on the Hyperlite? The, the paper tap. Paper tap. Okay. So if you want the Supreme Bridge, you can select it in the Pro Customizer only. Correct. Toe attachment. This is pretty simple. Elastic toe tie system from Bauer or a skate lace. You have both options. Toe alignment, centered or offset. Simple decision, one or the other. Correct. Select your leg strapping. Now, this is where things get interesting. Vapor Tune Fit 2.0. So this is new to the nope. Hyperlite 2, or is it the same as this the original This continues Hyperlite? the original uh, stock strapping. Your additional extra here at this point is now the ability to add the Supreme strapping to Mark. that. Yes. So you can basically go from, if you liked the Hyperlite original strapping, you can keep it, or you can switch over to the mock strapping, the Tune Fit Plus that they had in the mock, if you like that. Now, one thing to note, 
Um, this is also available in the regular Hyperlite customizer. It is not exclusive to the Pro Custom. You can get it in both. We're almost done with the pads. And the fact is it's taking so long is a little tough, but let's be honest, more selection is better. Uh, other strapping. Oh, the ability to add leather straps. If you still want them, it is still an option. Don't laugh, Pro Mark, Custom. Mark Andre Fleury has leather straps. There's a few guys that have leather straps on their Devin pads. Evident, on his on on his Pro Return. I was gonna say, evident from the Pro Returns that we've had in, a few guys are still liking that leather strap. Just finding that. Some guys extra like to have a, a fixed endpoint on exactly. their movement. So leather straps are available Pro Custom only. That I don't believe that's available in the Hyperlite Customizer. Tune Fit Connect. One of my favorite options on the pad, again, with the Pro Customizer, you have the ability to select Vapor or Supreme. I much, much prefer the Vapor, which comes stock on the pad. And for those that are saying, what the heck's a tune fit strap? We're talking basically about a professor strap, their, their equivalent of it. So the Vapor version comes stock on the Hyperlite too. Sure. And you have this option in Pro Custom only or Hyperlite Customizer too. Actually, in the regular standard customizer, you can choose and mix or match and also do it aftermarket as well because both are available for sale as well. Okay, last one, Grip Knee. The Vapor Grip Knee. Stock on Hyperlite 2. feature for Hyperlite 2. Um, so yes, it is a textured grip on the actual knee uh, of, the, uh, of the knee block itself. Um, again, creating a little bit more of a stable landing surface, not so allowing that knee that pad will to slip and shift. That and will be stopped. And if you want in the customizer, you can remove it in the Pro Customizer. That is correct. All right, we're done with the pads. Glove specs, palm stiffness, game ready, pro palm, practice palm. I don't believe practice palm is available in the regular Hyperlite. This is no, pro it's just, custom it only. It would just be game ready and, pro, uh, and pro, pro palm. Select your T, double, single, reinforced. Double or single is, is an option in the Hyperlite standard. Customizer reinforced, which you can tell me what that is, is available only in Pro Custom. We're adding to uh, plastic to the top of that T bar. So if you're someone who's only getting one glove for the season and you really need to make it last, that's another way to help that to stop that T from folding over from use over time. Pro Custom only. Now, all material. Hyperlite 2 has got a catch grip in it. That's new. Nope, that is the same from Hyperlite 1. Okay, or you can go to the Nash from the Ultrasonic line, or you can get the mock grip print that we saw in the Supreme line, the latest edition, the mock. That's Pro Custom only. Pocket lacing, simple. Whether you're not skate lace or regular nylon, totally up to you. Lace, We've talked about lace. skate lace before. You can get lace colors to match your glove. Uh, you can have the, if you've got a double T, the connection between the two T's, which, which they call the, uh, I believe they call the spine. Fine lacing, you can get that polyester skate, skate lace or wax lace. You can get that one colored as well. The Internal end. fit. You can get a senior or intermediate palm size. This is also available in the Hyperlite Customizer. And now, Pro Custom only, DCT padding. Cam, tell me what that is. What DCT is? Well, and, and what, what the options are. So this is one where we have to Pro stay Custom only. tuned, but it is a replacement for their Coron um, extra padding. Correct. But it still is going to react the exact same way. You have the ability to add three millimeters uh, either to the overall thumb base or the palm base of the glove, not both, one or the other. Palm, especially for those impacts, if you're getting catching a lot just off the tip uh, of your palm and not finding that you're get fully getting it into the glove and it's something that happens to you quite often, it definitely is a nice addition to help stop some of those stingers. If you can only get one glove, can't get a practice glove as well, for example, this is another way to help to extend that lifetime of the glove without affecting your overall closure too, too much. Okay, well. and the other option is to have it sort of out in the finger area as well, one or the other, and pro custom only. This is not an option on the Hyperlite regular customizer. Walker specs, 
So two options here, it's just gonna be talking about whether or not you want an intermediate palm in the glove size itself, uh, or you can get an XL if you really need something bigger. And then your last option thumb, is adding thumb that pillow, thumb pillow. Thumb pillow or no thumb pillow. Correct. That's it. So we've pretty much gone through the entire line, uh, all the specs, Pro Custom and Hyperlite Customizer. Now the key here is, I fill this out, I get an order form, I check with you how it's gonna fit, is it different with the flat boot, if I change that thickness, will it, do I need a different size? I'm checking all the details with you, and I can do that by bringing my order to you. How do I finish things off and send it to camp? So you get the option to finalize and save your order, that will pump out a reference number. All I need is that reference number to be able to place your order. You can give me a call here at 604-589-8299 or 1-800-567-7790. With that reference number, that is what I can use to help place your custom order for your gear. And why would I do it with Cam and his experts here at the Hockey Shop Source for Sports rather than just filling it out and sending it to any random shop? Because you can get this type of expertise, these types of insights on the new features, uh, how they affect the pad, how they affect your game, whether that Vapor 90 is right for you. All these different types of options, you might as well discuss them with an expert before you shell out major bucks to order your custom pads, because wouldn't it be terrible if you did this without checking with an expert and they arrive, what, eight to 10 weeks later? Eight to 10 weeks at the current time. And they are not what you need. Well, we got to wrap her up here because we're about to open and I'm going to have a flood of orders coming in. So let's get going. They do it all over at the Hockey Shop, thehockeyshop.com, and Source for Sports Langley. Check them out, Cam and his crew in the goalie section. There's nobody better in the business. And when it comes to analytics, the leader there is Steve Valiquette and Clear Sight, and they do an unbelievable job, such a deep dive, and we're lucky to have uh, an in there with Kevin Woodley uh, through the great relationship uh, that uh, he has forged with the former National Hockey Leaguer and now broadcaster, goalie coach, and analytic uh, expert. And uh, he is the subject of our feature interview brought to you by Sensorina, Sensorina VR. Uh, Sensorina continues to get us ready for the offseason when ice becomes a little bit harder to get. Hutch. What a great tool to have on your side if you want to spend more time perfecting your goaltending. You know, other sports, say you're a basketball player, you can head out on the driveway and you can take hundreds, thousands of free throws to become the best basketball player you can. Goaltending, not so easy. Up until now, you've been limited to things like regular off-ice training, uh, bouncing balls off the wall, juggling balls, working on your own balance skills, but not actual goaltending. Well, now, thanks to Sense Arena and the VR world, you can practice your goaltending anytime you want, at home, on the road. If you've got an Oculus headset, in fact, already, you can head over to sensorina.com and you can sign up for a free trial. So you don't have to spend anything to find out what it's like to use Sensorina VR training for goaltenders where you can face NHL shooters now. Uh, you can face power plays. You can face penalty kills. You can do cognitive drills. You can do just about anything you'd like to do. You can tell the shooters where to shoot and they'll hit their mark every time. The Things that you can do with Sense Arena, almost endless. And one of the even better things about it, Darren, is that they're updating the software all the time. New drills, new tools, new things to improve it as one of the best goaltending training 
items that you can have in your kit bag. Take it with you on the road. Use it at home. Sensorina, great goaltending training for everybody out there. If you want to give it a go, go to sensorina.com. If you use the code IGM50, you'll get a little bit off the, uh, you know, whatever great deal they have going today. Technological approach, modern aspect of uh, goaltending today. It's a perfect fit, Woody, to the conversation that Steve Aliquette uh, offers up uh, with you in our feature interview. Yeah, I know. I mean, we're going to get into it right away, so I don't want to give up too much of it. But um, just suffice to say, if you come into this thinking, oh, this is just going to be talking about NHL goalies and their advanced stats. Yeah, we get into a little bit, a couple of specifics, but this is more about how we take those advanced numbers and become better coaches. How does Steve translate what he's seeing around the National Hockey League? Some of the trends that he measures with a level of detail that no other company does in terms of shot quality and what really matters. How offense is truly created at the highest level and then translates it into his lesson plans, into his warm-up making sure that we're not wasting time on repetitions, drills, shot sequences that just don't matter in a game because we don't see them. Um, Some really fascinating insights from Steve in terms of how he takes what he does at the NHL level from a tracking and analytics perspective and brings it onto the ice with the goalies he coaches and of course, you know, he'll mention some one of those goalies, Strauss Mann, who's in the San Jose system, a number of kids in prep school and colleges. Um, so he's he's taking everything he's learned through the analytics company and through his experiences as an NHL goalie and now applying them to the next generation of goaltenders. And it was, man, like he had me taking notes as he answered each question. Uh, I had 10 more that popped up. It really was a fun and fascinating interview, and I hope everyone enjoys it. It's amazing. Uh, Normally, we look at analytics and we go, okay, the performance leads to the numbers. And Valakat, in this regard, is doing it uh, on the front side. The numbers influence what he's doing on the ice with his students, and that should equal uh, a better performance. And it's fascinating, so interesting uh, to follow this. Our feature interview brought to you by Sensorina, Sensorina VR on In Goal Radio, the podcast. Cannot tell you how excited I am to welcome back to the Ingo Radio Podcast. Second time guest, far too long in between appearances. I should just hit record every time I give this guy a call because I learned something new. Stephen Valaket, how are you, buddy? Well, that makes two of us. And when we do talk, we go long. And before this segment began, we went long. So let's see how we do here. I don't want the boys. I don't want uh, the boys to be all over you because I hear the podcast. They're always all over you for going too long. And one more question. One more question. Well, you know what? I think I got all my one more questions out of the way before we hit record on this beauty. (laughs) So um, listen, last time we had you on, we focused on the career. uh, And it was a good one. 14 years pro, including time with the Rangers, Islanders, and Oilers. I, I want to shift gears because we kind of we teased it at the end. Post career, we know about ClearSight Analytics, the work you're doing there. I don't think enough people know how much we see you on MSG with with now with Henrik Lundqvist on the panel and the great work you do breaking down plays there. I don't know that enough people know that you're also still coaching a lot, and so yeah. I want I want to <laughs> get into how all those things came together for you and how they're still coming together for you. So I'm not even sure where to start this. Why don't we go to like you're done playing? Because we got to that point in the last podcast and people got to go back and listen to it because, man, are there some great stories from junior and your career path. But post-playing days and where you started getting into the numbers, 
and analytics and how it sort of shaped this arc for you? I think everything, one thing feeds another. That's what I've noticed in post-career. Benoit Allaire gave me my greatest compliment that I've ever had. And it was, Stevie, there is no job too small for you and there is no job too big. <laughs> and that really blends into my day-to-day. At six o'clock in the morning this morning, I was pulling the nets onto the ice at the Wonderland of Life in Bridgeport, Connecticut. And I could do TV the same evening after doing an NHL presentation for a team that I'm selling analytics to. And these things all happen in the same day, alumni appearance. But you know what? It's really interesting because every day has its own unique start. And sometimes I look at my day and I'm saying to myself, how am I actually going to fit all this in today? Including a podcast. And I have one on the athletic that I do for the Rangers as well. So you, you bundle all of that up, plus about five hours of prep to go into a TV job that starts at 4.30 production meeting. And, and you know what it's like, Woody, you, you got to get it all in some days and you're just saying to yourself, okay, how's this going to work out? One thing I can say though, and I'll never give up, is that the time on the ice, it's invaluable in the morning. I get two hours every morning and sometimes three, but mostly two. And it's the fact that I get to work with young kids, kids that are young enough to try something new because they're 14 years old, 15 years old. So they're adult-sized bodies in the net, so they're big enough. And that's when I typically start to work with a young goalie. It's, it's always 14. And one of the biggest reasons why is because it's like teaching goal all over again. I'm teaching a goalie that's 14 how to receive the puck. And I'll ask them oftentimes, uh, so when did you start playing goal? And it's, you know, seven, eight, nine. And I'll ask, what size net did you play in at that age? And it's the same one that we're playing in now, the NHL size net. Imagine being eight and how much you used to have to reach for a save and go to full extension for every save. And now you're 14 or 15, and you've got to be relearning the position in a way to receive the puck, how to track down, how to bring the puck into your hip and I bring the GoPro on the ice so we can see it from the puck's perspective. And that's really the first two weeks of lessons with me is just relearning how to receive, make contact, follow, and then we get into skating and mechanics. But it's interesting because of that. And one thing I'll add, one of the guys that's job shadowing me right now, he's a magician. So he does weekend gigs and um, magicians get paid very well here in Connecticut. He's got a great job. But his son's a goalie, and I've coached him since he was seven or eight years old. He's very good. And his son is, um, you know, at the age now where I can take over full time up until this point. His name's Danny, and, and Danny's been doing all the work, and he's done a terrific job. But he's talking to me the other day about this, and I thought it made a lot of sense. He said, I understand why you go on the ice every morning, because this is your place to practice your bad. And I'm like, all right, I, I kind of get it. Like, you know, try out your new chops and work on your game. And he said, yeah, because as a magician, I practice my bad at old age homes where I'm not going to get judged. I go in there and if it's not clean, I can show a trick and they might not get fooled on something where I make an error. But where can I, where can I actually work on my craft every morning? And I'm talking about the analytics and why a drill can work a specific way. And how do I get the athlete to the in the zone or the uh, flow state of, of any drill? 
And what are we doing that happens most frequently in games? And why are we doing it? So it's amazing to me at the end of the day, when my head hits the pillow, I've touched so many different facets of the game and they all feed one another and they all lend themselves to learning and development. Okay, I was going to say there's a thread there I want to pull on, but there's probably about eight. So I'm trying to figure out where to start here. <laughs> I want to get to the ice in a bit. And I want to really dig into how you're using the analytics and the trends you see and the ability to access the video behind those trends at, at ClearSight Analytics uh, through the programs you built there and how you take that on the ice to help these young goalies. First, let's go back and walk me through how it started. You talked about wanting to understand you know, what plays matter, what drills matter, what work we should do. How did that play into you getting involved and wanting to see, or maybe you did see and wanted to quantify the game differently and get into the analytics side of thing? Walk us through that story a little bit. So curiosity, and I, I obviously had some great coaching growing up, uh, whether it was Alaire or Sadarshan Mirage, and working with goalie coaches that helped me in different ways. And the one day that it went off when I was on the ice coaching, I was on the ice with Strauss Mann, who played for the United States last year as an Olympian. And you've had on the pod. San Jose Sharks pr prospect now, yeah. Yep, now he's in San Jose. And he would have been around 14 years old. And we were doing a drill where, and it was a sexy drill. Like, I loved this drill. I made this drill up. I created it. I thought it was terrific. And what I did was I gave the puck away on purpose on the goal line. So I played catch with the shooter coming out of the corner. I gave it up on purpose. He would walk inside me and go across the crease on Strauss. And he was doing the drill well, but he said afterwards, he goes, Val, you know what? I love your drill, but I really don't know how often this actually happens in a game. <laughs> but I didn't have the answer because I have never gone through the exercise of tagging every single play to the net in the NHL. Nobody had. So that was one of those moments where I was saying to myself, I gotta, I've got to do this. I've got to start this company because I was tagging all of the goals and it was around January. And at that point, I brought in a business partner. His name is John Healy. He's in player development, very successful in our area. And John, for $5,000, uh, tagged 200 games for me, the way that I had taught him to. And after that, we had a significant enough sample size where I could go back to Strauss and say, hey, man, so uh, you were right. This play like never happens. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so it was, it was one of those moments where I, you know, I said to myself, we're going to raise some money and we're going to do all of next season. I want to find out how many times a goalie gets beat when he has clear view on the puck. How often does a breakaway go in? How often does a two on one happen? And, and another one was three on twos. I was like, after the first year of collecting all the data, I couldn't believe that we practiced three on twos as much as we did in team practice. They never happen. I mean, not never, but there's like half of a three on two on average in every NHL game, you know, not seven or eight or 10 because or we were 20 minutes, three on 20, twos. yeah, you know for 20 I mean? minutes, 20 yeah. minutes every morning. Yeah, exactly. This, this just changed the way I thought about everything. And to this day, it really takes me back to my roots, which is at practice. And this is, this is where I, get excited. So you got to give me a minute here. This is what I love most about practice. Right now, a typical practice for us is we go through all of what happens most often and what I believe the student needs to work on every single day, all of the fundamentals. If it's a really good goalie, we can get through the fundamental part of our practice in about 15 to 20 minutes. And that is 
all of our tracking, all of our stationary work, some net play, but a very good balance with deflections. I'm going through the chance types that happen most often. And when we get through that 15 minutes, if one of those areas is a little bit off, we'll spend some more time in it because we're not getting into the compete part of practice until that goalie is ready to do that. The really good goalies I work with, we can get into that for the last 25 minutes if they're sharp in the first little bit of practice. Anyhow, we, by the time we get into the compete part, the important part is to me that we have a drill that will go seven games. That's the key. I want every game to go to the limit. Now, an example of a game that I would create based on the day and the theme of the day and what we're working on would be something like I'll have one shooter on the dot, another shooter on the dot, and I'll pass the first puck in, and that shooter can collect it and shoot it right away or pass it across. So get it across the Royal Road or the slot line, get it across the terms that we use with our company. And I've got the ice all cut up with the magic marker, the way that we grid the ice. And when they receive that puck and it gets off, they get to play that rebound. And then the next play would be a wrap around the wall where he can have a net play with a rebound guy up front and then followed by a breakaway. And if the goalie stops all three of those plus the rebounds, he wins the game. If the shooters score one, they win the game. And we play a best four out of seven. When I hit the mark, and the goalies know this, these games always go to seven. They always go to seven. When they go to seven, that tells me shooters are engaged. The goalie's engaged. We're in compete game mode. And it's why, it's why the competition now has found its way into their game. Because the mental side of the game is not foreign to them when the game begins. They've already done it in our practices. They've been in compete mode. Their, their zone has been achieved. And the best, bo uh, the best book that I ever read uh, was around 2009 was The Talent Code. And it talks a lot about myelin and what's happening in the human brain when you're acquiring new skill. The neuro circuits in your brain fire faster when that gray muscle matter is multiplied from focused, intense repetitions. So if we have focused, intense repetitions over and over again, the acronym I use is FIRE, focused, intense repetitions every day. So it works with a 14-year-old. I've got a little image of that behind the net. And they get fired up to get to that, to the, to get to that zone, to get to flow state, so that by the time we get through all the fundamentals, they're ready to compete, and they win a seven-game series. Now, the key to me is if they win four straight, the game wasn't set up right. I didn't put the right game in place. It was too easy for them. If the shooters win four straight, same thing applies. The key for me is that because I know the analytics and I know that one of every three passes across the Royal Road go in, one out of every three breakaways go in, plus the rebounds on a net play, which is a low percentage play, I know that the estimated value of the expected goals for a practice drill is one. That's why it goes seven games. But we do that for every single shot type you can imagine. It's funny because you mentioned net play being a low value, the net play rebound being a low value one. And I've talked to goalie coaches, I won't name them because they were just casual conversations, who believed that a lot of their goalies right up to the NHL really like doing net play drills and end up spending too much time in reverse, which can create time. bad mm -hmm. tendency habits and also puts extra wear and tear on their hips. But they like those drills because nobody scores on them. And of course they right. don't because they're low percentage plays. So that, I mean, that, right. 
all make sense. Okay, Why are so we- to that to that conversation, I think that guys are spending way too much time, way too much time for those reasons you just laid out, but also that it's a low percentage play. And here's the thing: every one of the drills that I use has net play in them anyway, because I have a markered semicircle around the net. If the puck goes off the goalie in any drill and ends up behind the net, that's a live puck. So you're getting a net play on the rebound. You're able to collect that puck. And I have the same conversation. A lot of the shooters that I have shooting on the goalies are all having great years. Guys are getting committed because their habits are better because I'm forcing them to be intense. And I'll give you a good example. Patrick Sharp, and Sharpie loves to come out and shoot. He still does. Sharpie was up with his posture after shooting on Strauss one day. So he shot the puck, and then his posture came up off the ice. And then he came back down, and then he got the rebound and missed the net. I was like, Sharpie, you've got to stay engaged here. You stay in your posture and play the rebound because if you're not forcing him to get over there quickly and you're not doing a game like, we might as well just get off the ice. What are we doing here? He goes, I, w- I was on that puck. I was on the rebound. I was like, no, you weren't. I got video right here because I got the GoPro hanging uh, behind the net. <laughs> so he comes in the video room and he sees it and he goes, holy, I can't believe it. He's like, that's a bad habit from team practice. I'm lifting up after that first shot because I usually go to the back of the line in the corner. I'm like, yeah, Sharpie. So then we called it a rebound posture violation. If any of the shooters come up out of posture and then come back into the game, the goal doesn't count. It only counts if you have that level of intensity and your habits and your details are tight. And it, and it's it's always engaged, right? What do you like? It has to be, we have to be creating that environment. That's if there's one message to the podcast for all the coaches out there, we have to create game environments for our goalies and our shooters. Purposeful practice, not perfect practice. That's right. All the time. And uh, so that's where, look at the analytics and what I do on TV and all of these things. It's actually just trying to get a message out that I believe in and I'm an avid reader. And one of you know, the best books I ever read was The Go-Giver. And um, what flows out flows in. And it's a great book about uh giving and uh you know helping and receiving because you're a giver and these types of things this this juju this uh karma i think it has a really good way of always finding its way back to me because i spread it and i think that the message should always be you're out there to put out a performance that your athletes can get engaged in and of course there's learning in that because we we're recording it. We're doing our video work afterwards, but we're also creating a practice environment that feels very familiar to a game environment. Okay. So those first 15, 20 minutes, you talked about them being focused on things the goalie needs to work on, but also on things that happen most often in a game. Um, you mentioned them quickly. Can we just go over them a little bit? So it sounds like, like sort of open looks like clear looks, tips, net play. Like what are some of the things that like in your mind need to be a part of every foundation at the start? if I ran through my whole warm up with you, it was, I don't know if that's great radio or not, but I, you know, I'm serious because it, it you know, like I could explain it and, right. I, and I hope that people get it, but this is, this is really important to me. You're move me along as soon as you want to here. But to me, the best thing to start a practice with for the goalies, right? You've got to do, you've got a puck handle, but it doesn't have to be 10 minutes. It's really one minute. It's one minute. The dumps have to come in from the red line. You work on your play calls. When the guys skate in to receive it, the calls for us, they are reverse, which a backhand is to the corner. Play it, which is going to simulate the players have pressure on them and they're yelling to the goalie at the top of the circles. 
play it, play it. And they put it high on the glass, leave it, which is a puck that comes off the wall, but you leave it just below the goal line so they can wheel or curl up, teach a young goalie how to do that. And the last one is um, just their nickname or their, or their first name, which is a direct pass to the tape at the wall above the hash. Now you can get out of your zone and we're working on hitting the tape, target, et cetera. To me, you got to do that every day from each side of the ice. Goalies will get better fast at handling the puck. We just had Marty Turco on our last edition, and it's funny. For all the talk about reinventing the game and the skill behind it, he focused on the need to do the basics and coach, same advice for coaches. You all want great puck handling goalies, but you don't commit the time to it in practice. So I love that you're starting with that. Every and day. actually, Every we day. just just had uh, actually just had Jeff Reese, one of my favorites in here, um, and Scott Wedgwood is coming back off an injury. They spent 40 minutes on the ice. He's not getting ready to play. So when he got on the ice yesterday, they spent the first five minutes handling rims and just same thing, quick overs, quick ups, and even leaves. And I'm thinking to myself, when I first saw it, I thought, ooh, is he coming close? Could he play tonight? This looks like a getting used to the yeah, boards yeah. thing. But no, it's just that this is how you should start thing. I love it. And it's also any goalie will tell you it's a hidden bag skate too. I mean, you move around, you got a sweat going and you're engaged, your heart rate gets up. Then, of course, we give the ones that the goalies would sometimes be uncomfortable with, which is a foot off the net or a long where you have to put the paddle down, Shesterkin style, get it up, whatever. Um, anyhow, that's to me number one. Then it is let's engage. Let's get our head in the right position. Let's uh, let's see pucks. But I actually have an X that I use with uh, my marker once again, and it's just beyond the face-off dot in zone about five, six feet, because we want to have active hands from there. We want to be able to be active with our hands. So the goalie starts the exercise in the butterfly, making sure they're sound and square so you get the angle. And then it's three low blocker. You just engage three low blocker. You're not following the rebounds on those. You're just going to make proper contact. We make sure the head is coming down and it's, it's face to the puck with your hands. And then they stand up and they do three more and it's follow fast. Right, so connect, make your save, follow it. Come back to the middle, butterfly again. We go high glove for three from the knees, and you're just catching it in front of you. And then you are getting back up to your feet, three more. And then we finish with four into the body, tracking down, bringing those pucks in. Do that from both sides. The next exercise I call shoulders and elbows. And what I do is I have an X that's halfway between the bottom of the circle and the face-off dot, so it's the space between the face-off dot and the bottom of the circle on angle towards the net. And the goalies are in their butterfly, hands positioned with fingers down, not up, because a lot of goals, as I track them, are under the hand, especially when the shots are taken from dots down. We see that a lot in the NHL this year. And hey, listen, uh, talking to shooters, they're looking for fingers up. If they see yeah. finger, fingers up, they're going over the pads. If they see hand Trust down, me. that's when they're looking top shelf. You got it. My my shooters all know it, and they're killing it in prep school because of it. So anyhow, the righties do really well at that. We have the goalies in that, that position, and they're also learning how to get their chicken wings up, and they're feeling comfortable with their size. Take a video of them on the GoPro, show them how big they are. That really encourages them because they now know how much net they take up and how little they have to move. And then we do the next set, which is a challenge, from the dot itself, shooting right from the dot. Shooters cannot drag the puck here because the goalie can't adjust angle because they're on their knees, shoulders and elbows again, both sides. The next exercise we do is we have the piles above the hash marks on both sides of the ice, and the players are now below the goal line, 
outside of the semicircle that I built around the net, magic marker, from corner of circle to corner of circle, all the way around the net. Imagine there's a big eight-foot radius around the net. And what I like to coach, especially for the younger guys, when I send that pass down, it's like a power play pass. They skate into that semicircle, and as soon as they get into that semicircle and they break that line, then the goalies transition from their feet into a reverse, and they get two shots from there. Not 20, two. But they get the rebounds, you play it out, and then the next two are into the semicircle with the player receiving the puck behind the net. That now allows the goaltender to enter into a reverse on their knees. So they're still beating the pass to the shooter that receives it behind the net, but they're on their knees. Then they attack net front. I've got the net front sectioned off into two different quadrants. One where you can see the goalie would not have to leave the post. And the second quadrant where we do the second set of four, where they would transition and track off the post and be able to end up in a butterfly. Then we do deflections from the point. Then we do screened deflections. Then we do an exercise where both are put together and the players are, you're going to like this drill. I want to explain this drill. Listeners, I hope you guys use this drill. Am I going too far? No, no, you're, <laughs> you're perfect. But I just want to, just, just quickly, before we go to that last drill, the key here is none of this is just Stephen Valaket feels like doing this today. This is all drilled down into the science of where offense is created and what goalies are seeing the most based right. on your work with ClearSight. For instance, to back it up, the funnel shots that we practice to start practice, 65% of all shots that are going to get taken in any given game are clear-sighted shots from the funnel. So I want my goalies to be perfect on clear-sighted shots from the funnel. And fu fu just funnel, to find funnel for us because yeah, we used different sure. terminology earlier. Absolutely. So uh, imagine that the goalie is set up on the left side of his net and the shots are coming from above the top of uh, the circle there, the dot. Now, the funnel line is the back post, so the right post. Draw an imaginary line all the way to the boards under the hash, right? That's your dead angle line. Yep. And then the other line goes from the middle of the net all the way through the dot, which is really just clipping the corner of the dot. But imagine that you're continuing that line all the way to the red line where it meets the boards at center ice. So now you've got a funnel. And the interesting thing about the funnel is when we shoot for rebounds from the funnel, the goalies realize that we call it funnel in, funnel out. Because statistically, if you want to create a rebound off a goalie, that initial shot that comes from the funnel, if you watch closely, come off the goalie out of the funnel. So it's funnel in, funnel out as far as rebounds go. If it's a shot from a dead angle, those rebounds go into slot. So I teach the shooters this stuff and they get a big kick out of it and they, they get engaged because... Because I'll say something like, especially when I get a first-time shooter, I'll say, hey, well, let me show you something. Funnel in, funnel out. Shoot over here and you'll see. And you send your buddy over there in through the funnel and they'll score. They're like, oh, it works. And then they get instant buy-in and they're engaged, right? Love it. So, yeah, you get it. I mean, it's a, it's a long process to get through the entire warm-up, but it's not a warm-up to me. I, I changed that terminology last year. I told the guys, I'm like, guys, this is fundamentals. Henrik and I did this every day. We do this every day. There's not more glitz and glamour and BS drills when you get to the NHL. It's more work on perfecting the fundamentals. And that's what we set out to do. That's, that's it in a nutshell. You know, and there's, there's fundamentals to everything. I interrupted that last drill, so go back to it because you really wanted to share it, the, the tips and the deflections. So I like the deflections a lot because it really slows the goalies down. 
I like to have the shooters have their feet in the funnel and their stick is to the middle of the ice, but they're not on top or in front of the goalie. They're away. So the goalie has to track from the blue line. If I have a pile of pucks at the blue line, I'm the passer and I'm coming down seam with my pass. It's enough of an angle where they have to shuffle over, not slide into it. Because when they do slide into it, they will find that deflection goes off their far pad, goes to weak side, and you're getting scored on. But we do it on strong side, so it's coming over. The uh, the track is hard. It's a complete stop when you get there, and your hands are in the same position. You just did shoulders and elbows. And now because your chest angle and your, your posture is so strong that you will receive those pucks and keep them. And to me, I do, well, I do a set of five from there on each side. If the goalie doesn't have a good set, do it again. Do it again. Have another good set. Get a good set because why start practice the wrong way? And then after that, we do uh, three sets of five stick angles. Stick angles for young goalies. I think you should be doing this every day. The way I do it is I have uh, one shooter on the blue line on one side of the ice, a shooter on the other side of the ice on the blue line. First guy skates in, shoots the puck before the hash marks on the boards on the ice. The goalie sees it from perimeter on the boards. Second one is anywhere from above the top of the circles before they get over the top of the circles on the ice. And the third one is slide the blue line like a defenseman. So now your goalie's seen stick angle shots from three different areas, and you're getting three from each side, so that's six. Two sets of six. Now you got your stick angles. I think that, again, going through the process of seeing what really matters, it's taken me a while to get here. I started the stats company, geez, seven years ago. You know, So right now we're in a spot where I love what I'm doing because I get to work with it every morning and I'm seeing these kids grow. You know, and I'm seeing one thing I've learned that I didn't think I believed in when I first retired was that you can teach compete. I thought you were born with it. And I've really learned that you can really teach it because the goalies you work with, they want to, they want to be out there competing. They want to have fun. They want to be engaged. Sometimes they don't know how to go there mentally. And if you show them the way, They'll never want to go back to being that other guy. They'll never want to be him again. And that's where the best of seven in the games and that that element becomes yeah. so important. Yeah, it's it's uh we live like we're hooting and hollering, you know. We're the guy under the chairlift hitting the bumps, you know. <laughs> and it's, it's a uh, it's a piece that you know I think probably goes you know. And this isn't to criticize, but we get into that goalie school environment where there's more and more and more bodies out there, and it's hard to sort of have that. Well, you can't do it. So I shut my camps down a long time ago because I really want to do it the right way. And I know that's sacrificing money for some people, but what would you rather do? Leave this life with a impact or uh, line pockets for that purpose? It just doesn't work. Other lessons on the goalie development side, because you're not just using the analytics company to and the, and the knowledge you're getting from that to identify the situations that matter most to goalies. It also gives you an opportunity to explore why certain guys are having success and dig into, yes. you know, like who's who's killing it. And you get to break down why, like down to the nth degree. That's why I love, man, like what I love about the position is there's no not necessarily one right way to do it. We're constantly evolving and finding new things. And when I get to go on the site and I'm blessed and thank you so much for letting me sort of have the 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 keys to look under the hood to pop the hood and see what goes on back there some of the detail that you're able to dig into and see why guys are having success is like it's not just that it can be mind-blowing but it you learn from it 
You know, it's so that's probably where I'm at most right now. With in the last few weeks, I've I've got some new goalies that I'm working with because it's the end of the season, end of the mentorship program, and I'm bringing some new guys in that I really like. And it's this is a fun time of year. You can probably you can get the sense how giddy I am right now because I just got off the ice and I was pumped this morning. I had two guys that I had massive breakthrough with. One of one of which is six foot six, right? Big frame guy, and uh, I got excited because. I took stuff from our analytics company that I was able to download onto the computer, break down, add some notes to, voiceover to, upload it to him just via email. And I was able to show him the best goalie on rebounds. And it's UC Saros. And it's also Vasilevsky. They're, they're the two guys that are at the top of the list this season in clear sight uh, on their effectiveness of stopping rebounds. Now, here's what I know about goaltending the guys that are always good on rebounds have the best contact off the first shot because their weight is distributed properly they've tracked down they're able to move freely because they're not sitting one of the things i'll get back to the answering that question but one of the things that i really had to break down for goalies recently was that uh, there are three levels to every butterfly right so the way that i grew up woody was um all the way up erect like get yourself as big as possible Make yourself as tall as possible. And it's it's really funny because that's actually small. Being that tall and upright is small when you take the line from the crossbar and have a rope that goes down to the puck. You can see that that vertical angle climbs over your shoulder when you go erect like that, especially if you're deep. Yeah, you're actually looking. It's funny because I'm not going to name so names, but we had some goalie coaches that push back on the forward angle you got to be tall you got to be big and it's like you're I, like we can demonstrate with you yeah, know it's simple a really quick sports science uh, assignment geometry that you're actually getting your goalies to open the top of the net here yep so did that and then um you know i show the goalies that 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 being that tall and erect is small the next thing i do is i sit all the way back with bad posture and i sit in my butterfly and I show how much room now is exposed over my shoulders, even though I'm a six foot six goalie coach, right? So they get the point. And I express to them that I want them to have the visual that if we say all the way up in a butterfly, straight and erect is a one, we don't want to be a one. And if we are sitting, we are at a three. But if we have firm thighs, great chest angle, posture, we're playing at a two, okay? And to play at a two, we can't get too wide in our base with our stance. We have to have our feet under us, as a lot of goalies now, only over the last couple of years, have really figured out in the NHL. Nobody's getting too wide anymore because the game's gone so east-west and you can't survive. One thing I've shared with you that I've talked publicly about is there's 41% more east-to-west passes in the NHL right now than there was five years ago. That's 41%. crazy. 41%. That's how much more east-west. A lot of people might say it, but I know it's 41% more. So the guys that clutch, the guys that bring their knees in off the release, the goalie that spreads further, which I would refer to as a second set, setting twice. You're in your set stance, and then you maybe drop your shoulders and uh, can have dinner on your back. Or you get your feet so wide that there's only one place for you to go, which is in a butterfly, and you can't move. So I have this breakthrough with this goaltender, and I'm showing him video of the two guys in the NHL that are doing it the best right now which I thought was so cool because, uh, of course, I have access to this, but they're also one big giant goalie and the undersized goalie. And it's such a great example because one day I'm working with a big guy and sometimes I'm working with a smaller guy. And 
it's not about not having the length for UC Soros. I know he doesn't have the longest flippers in the league, but he makes up for it because he's so elite off the release and he tracks. He's my favorite goalie to watch right now. I have so much UC Soros film. It's incredible. And it's because he's at the top of all my lists for every chance type. He's at the top. He's there. And uh, I get excited about that because I get to share that with the goalies and they get enthused because what I'm teaching to them, they get to see it on the video before we get on the ice. And then afterwards they can see the comp between them and UC Saros. Who's the, and it's cool. I think the kids buy into it. Oh my God, I'm doing it like the best guy in the NHL, not just any NHL goalie, the guy that does that specific shot type the best. Well, and it would make sense to me that, you know, when you talk about those different butterfly positions that, that. I mean, I've heard it called different things, high thighs, tall hips. Like if you sink back in that, there is inherently a delay in your butterfly recovery because you don't have the clearance that a tall, tall thighs or tall hips allows you to make the motions with your legs in order to initiate a recovery, which would be necessary for a rebound. So like it goes, you can watch it, you can see the biomechanics, you can see all these things and it all adds up. This is what I love the most is when the video matches the numbers and you can see why a guy is having success or you see the numbers and then you look at the video and you figure out why. And I guess as a, as a teacher, that's even more exciting because now you can take the why and show it to your kids. And I have every video for these following chance types and I send them to them. And when I have a student that uh, that day is struggling on one timers, Thatcher Demko, best safe percentage in the NHL on one timers right now. Okay. One-timers on the same side of the ice, not the ones that go across the ice. Um, breakaways, let's look at Allmark. Best goalie in breakaways and save percentages here in the NHL. Uh, Allmark is also first in deflections. I have an Allmark video as well as screens. Got an Allmark video. So we've been watching a lot of Allmark, but it's nice to follow the path of the guys that are doing it the best. The best battle goalie on broken plays is Hellebuck. And Sorokin is the best on clear-sighted shots. Why? Let's look at his elevation. See how his feet are under him. Look how big he is. He presents himself with a body illusion that has no delay in it. He's not setting twice. He's not clenching his knees together. He's not pushing his skates out from outside his set. Um, you know who I love right now is uh, Gustafson, Philip Gustafson. Holy crap. Uh, east to West. East to West, best goalie in the NHL right now. But you watch his east to west, and which is in Woody, you got access to our site. I, I love that you are on it all the time, too, because like how else can we spread the word, right? And you see his rotation, and you watch the way that he tracks and how his knee gets early contact, his head comes around, his gloves are in perfect position. I send that video to my goalies, they're like like jumping for joy. And a lot of guys out here in Connecticut don't even know who Philip Gustafson is. So like it's it's a really great way to spread the word too, and I, I know that our guys get a huge kick out of it, and it's and it's neat. But you know that's that's a big piece of again, why do I love doing this? It's player development, man. I'm these these guys that I work with, they're they're joining teams and traveling across the world and seeing places they never would have seen before because hockey takes them there as their vehicle. What are some of the other trends you're seeing? Like we, like we talked about the forty one percent. And that's sort of a league-wide trend in terms of how goals are getting scored. As I said, the beauty of the position is there's not just one way to do it, but there are usually commonalities that you can find behind the trends. Are there any other ones you've identified within goaltenders where you're like, huh, he's doing that and he's having this success? Are there any that jump out to you? 
Well, the one thing I saw with Saros is um, the fact that he's drifting a little bit off of more than just the rush. So I made a rush video because he's awesome off the rush. That's another thing, too. It goes beyond just the chance types. But when do they happen? Off the rush, off face-offs, off of uh, in-zone settled offense, power play, et cetera. So, again, I, I have a lot of the goalies that I coach that are UC size. So I looked up who are the best goalies off the rush when I was getting ready for a week where I was really going to introduce some you know, pretty heavy rush play. Here we go with Saros, like off the rush, okay? He's got a little bit of drift, and his blocker is silent off the release. It's almost like he understands better than anybody how to be a statue when the puck is coming, low blocker, and he just, you can just see his head come down, and then he follows his rebound, and then he makes more saves, and he's very intense, and uh, his head is violent. His head is violent coming down to the puck. That's what I love most about him, because he seals the ice so well, but I've seen it carry out to other things where he's also got a little bit of drift. And I think you've seen it too, where there's a number of guys now that are starting to, even on what would used to be stationary plays, have some drift. Well, I mean, for sure, um, you know, and I'm not going to pretend I saw it. It's more that they they were open in sort of sharing it. Um, Linus Allmark, uh, we had him in here a couple of weeks ago and still got a story that needs to go up at, at Ingle Magazine, but he, but he explained sort of the philosophy behind it, and so did Bob Asenza, and that's something that they teach there. Again, not just off the rush, but, and, and we're not talking about old school, start at the hash mark, seat cut back and forth, you could potentially get caught on the wrong edge as the play, you know, you're stuck, you're on your left skate, your weight's on your left skate, and the play moves west, or left, and you gotta, you gotta get your weight the other, like, it's not that kind of stuff, this is so subtle little bit and and you're right like like Soros as well so now we've got two goalies that are top of the league and in an era where the where where all I hear is set and square and and I repeat it a lot myself they're square but they're not necessarily they're not quite set to the degree that we might think there is a little bit of tiny bit they use the word recoil in Boston and it sounds like that there's a little bit of that in UC's game as well so you know, again, things that we don't expect, things that maybe aren't taught, we're starting to see appear as a commonality in, hey, two of the best goalies in the league. See, that's why I'm an in-goal subscriber. That's why I listen to the podcast. No, I'm serious. Like, I, I love getting new information, and it's hard to get. It's very hard to get. If you're not in the trenches, I'm not in the trenches. I'm not in the locker rooms anymore like that. But hearing you say it that way, I've used what we're talking about here off the rush. Of course I do. But I'm going to, as I said earlier, I've got guinea pigs that I can work with every morning. We're going to start working on this starting tomorrow morning. I've got two hours tomorrow morning. You know what we're going to do? We're going to do one of my favorite drills, which is pucks at the top of the circles, and the first shot is low blocker. Goalie follows the puck low blocker, and I have my back turned to the net. I'm in the corner. I'm the passer. And what I want the goalie to do is Hustle to the post. As soon as the post is hit with the skate, they get to locate the front and they come back to me. And now I turn because I tell them to look at my numbers. Now I turn just like in a game, collect the puck and I'm able to hit the guy on the backside. But that guy has four different spots he can go to that I have marked off, right? All the way through the dot to the top of the circle and tight to the net. So So your goalie can't just push to the same spot every time. He has to read it. He's got to track a path. Well, first of all, he's got to locate. Lefty, righty, location, where is he? 
but then he's got to track the pass the right way. And we're not cheating on the pass. We, it's so important to me. This is one thing that gets lost. And I hope that the, uh, the listeners listen to this. Don't cheat on a pass in practice and don't cheat on a setup before a pass in practice. You need to do it game-like. Allow the puck to get across your middle, get your head over your leading knee and explode on your pass and get ahead of it at the end if you can before the receiver receives it. But tomorrow, I'm going to add a new wrinkle, which is going to be when you get your set, start with a slight drift. Let's see what kind of success we can have on that open shot because it's going to be a stationary shot and it's going to be from far enough out that they'll have the time to do it. Well, and I love, hey, listen, and and it, listen, I appreciate the the back pat for the Ingoal Radio Podcast and for Ingoal Meg, um, but none of this, like, if Baba Sens is not willing to talk about this a little bit with me, if Linus Elmark isn't open about this being a, you know, part of his development this year in a big step, like if everybody's just like, my secret is my secret. If we don't have that openness, then we don't get to share it. And so I, I got to so, thank those guys for always being so open because they look at it from a broader goalie development perspective as opposed to, you know, and, and it's interesting because you talked about sorrows. I watched, Ben Vanderklok, the goalie coach with the National Predators, worked with Kevin Lankinen early this season, and they were doing drills that had a little bit of this in it um, without shooters. It was just them working on crease movement patterns, and it was fascinating to me because I assumed it was for stuff off the rush, but not necessarily. And Ben's a guy who I think gets overlooked too much because look at look at the success. Look at Pekka late in his career. I mean, when you follow in the footsteps of Mitch Korn, you know, peop, you know it's, it's easy for people to... Yeah maybe overlook you, but look at the success his goalies are having. And now analytics, Kevin Lankinen keeps popping up on my screen as a goalie who, yeah, tiny yeah. sample, but in a tiny sample, when I look at ClearSight, here's a guy who is having a lot of success in adjusted save percentage. And so, you know, I got to go look at video. I think there's going to, I think I'm going to find a little bit of that element in his game as well. Hey, I'll tell you what, I've had friends. I've had friends that were former teammates or guys that I, you know, played with growing up, you know where they did get stifled? They weren't willing to share. They weren't willing to share and nobody was willing to share with them. And so what you said, don't take that lightly for one second. You're, you're the way you are, Woody, because of, of this is your personality. This is how you've always been. And you and I have been sharing stuff for since the day I retired 10 years ago. You and I have always been close that way. And when I'm talking about that book, The Go-Giver, I think it's one that if you're not in that mindset, get yourself there, get comfortable with it. If you're a listener that you're not comfortable with sharing your secrets, well, then guess what? You're not going to get people to share with you. And look, I listened, I remember uh, listening to one of your podcasts this summer with Wedgwood, and I loved what he talked about and how he was playing 60 40 and uh, what foot he was stopping off of off the rush. So I called Corey Schwab and Corey spent an hour on the phone with me talking to, talking to me about it. Because Corey knows, like, I'm obviously this kind of guy, too, who's going to be into sharing. Corey gave me an unreal education. He gave me a, an hour's worth of time on it. But that started from listening to you. And, of course, having the people out here that are willing to share this kind of stuff. You have to. There's no growth without this. And um, I hope it encourages people to be more like us, Woody. Come on. Well, and a little and a little lesson to the NHL organizations that say the goalie coach isn't allowed to talk to anyone in the media. Man, I, I'm telling you. <laughs> that one must drive you nuts, I know. It, I it know. is a little frustrating personally, but beyond that, like I do think, and I've talked to goalie coaches around the league, um, some who have been shut out in the past that now are able to have these. 
you can really put guys in a bubble. Like you can, and I'm not talking about anyone yeah. in particular. I know like for the the Devils used to be, you know, obviously infamous for it, um, you know, in the days where Lou Lamarillo was there. But like if you lock your guy in a bubble where in a position that's constantly evolving and they're not, a, they're not at conferences and they're not talking to other coaches, yeah. man, like it can be really tough to keep up if you don't have people that you can have these types of conversations with. So I'm always grateful um to the people that are willing to share these things with us because it allows us to i think share with a much broader audience and the lesson you know the one we get the most is dads uh moms parents kids on their way to tournaments on their way to games if they got an hour to a game maybe they're playing on the other side of town out in the burbs listen to the podcast with their young goalie in those moments and uh, that's the feedback we get the most and that's the feedback that means the most to us um, because they tell us they're learning from these conversations. Yeah. Hey, man, uh, speaking of sharing stuff, uh, one of the young goalies shared with me the other day, um, pad butter. Have you heard of this? It's like a wax that goes on the inside of your pad so you can slide faster. Uh, I haven't heard the term pad butter, but I knew, I do know there's, <laughs> there, there are material, like there is stuff you can rub on pads to try and make it, yeah. which, which to me is kind of crazy in an era where like, like Bowers reinvented the wheel on these pads that, I mean, they're like grease lightning to me already, but what well, Warriors got one with the pla- the, the hard plastic, uh, slide plate on the knee. Um, yeah. we need to go faster. I uh, no. So I talked to this young, he's a younger guy and I was like, look. If you're going to do this, you're doing it with like the smallest application before we go on the ice. Because I didn't want to ruin the session before we get on the ice. Kids sliding <laughs> into the corner. No, seriously, <laughs> he put on this like a fingernails worth, and he was sliding all over the place. He's like, "This is fun." I'm like, "Yeah, but we got to be careful here. We're not like that's not that's actually the opposite of what we really want to do. We don't want to slide out of the net." But uh, no, these things are funny. They're always evolving, and guys have different ways of. Uh, putting their gear on and adding new things. And I just think it's funny that um, I, to this day, whether I'm learning from the podcast or from the magazine, pro reads, or somebody that's young that I'm coaching, you know, there's always, hey, every day, Woody, has it ever gotten stale for us? We've been, you you started the goal in goal um, magazine in what year? Uh, well, first off, I didn't start it. David Hutchison, we got to give, he's the founder. I'm just riding his coattails here. Oh, but Hutch. I joined, okay. I, I added myself to, to I, I tagged along Hutch's fast rise in 2010, actually at the Olympics, believe it or not, in yeah. Clark's magazine had folded, goalie news was no more. I was covering the NHL for the Associated Press, I was covering the Olympics for the Associated Press, and, and Hutch had this website, and I, you know, we met, happened to live on Vancouver Island, we met, we had some ideas, and so yeah, like it's... It's been 13 years, which is crazy to me, but I think it's actually only been three now where it's actually been a viable, sustainable business because of the the subscription service and in-goal premium. It's been fun. Yeah, that's really interesting because that's, I remember you and I really starting to talk around 2012. So you were two, uh, two, two years into getting going here. That's so yeah. fascinating. 10 years, just like that. I know. We're getting old, buddy. Um, yeah. I want to ask quickly on a couple of goalies uh, that, that, that we get to watch. You get to watch Igor Shesterkin on a day, daily basis, which uh, I'm kind of jealous. I'm going to be honest with you. <laughs> uh, when I wrote about him last year, the, the phrase that uh, Ian Clark actually used this phrase, he's like a hovercraft out there. Yep. Um, I know maybe statistically this year hasn't been the same as last year was. And last year might have been like a historically good season. That's how crazy it was. 
But what like what, when you watch him, when we talk about reinventing the wheel and and some of his movement patterns. What do you see? So this is interesting because this is where I'm at as a coach right now, and it's um, especially at the end of the season. The first thing I want to focus on with every goalie that I'm seeing right now, and I'm talking about guys that are coming back from college right now on break. Got guys that are on the ice tomorrow from college, and I've got guys from prep school that just finished their seasons. Everybody tends to get a little bit too wide by the end of the year. And I don't know if that's fatigue or bad habit, but the details in their stance, I like to take those pictures before the season begins and then take those pictures on the first day of summer. Summer, quote unquote, starting now in March. But taking a look at how wide they are outside of where they are successful. This to me is the biggest tip of all tips. We have to be sure that if we agree upon coach and student, this is where you are the most functional. This is where you have the biggest body illusion. And this is how you can move best because of broken plays or passes or rebounds. Then let's drop the puck where the referee does 10 times a night to your right on this face-off dot. Let's line up. Let's get my camera here and let's take a good look. All right, that's where you want to be. Then let's agree that you're not moving at all as the player drags the puck and shoots it as far as like towards you, meaning back to the conversation about setting twice, like bringing your knees in or going out wide once or bringing down your shoulders. We want to hold, I want you to make every save from that position right there. Agreed? Guys like, yeah, that's. I look awesome. I'm stopping the puck really well here stationary. Then what we try to accomplish is start moving the player into that space. Can you track and then still keep that same stance that we'd agreed upon with your feet under you then can you do it with multiple passes so we take a progression there but maintain feet under us now you see the size of these guys and how big they are and how great their chest angle is and because they're at their perfect depth with their feet let's go to shesterkin we have at msg networks a guy by the name of joe beans and he's a legend in our company for being able to edit video so I go through the way that I want the program to look. I talk to the producer. I edit video. I send it to Joe Beans. He puts the finishing touches at MSG on it. And he's got a calculator that actually is a ruler that's able to count how far Shesterkin's left skate is from his right skate in his stance. So it's a little bit of sports science in there. Well, we found that he was a foot and a half to two feet off the open shot on clear-sighted shots coming into the funnel this year, wider than last year. Which is going to change fundamentally his ability to move, which was the defining characteristic of his breakout season. You got it. So his contact off the release isn't as down and in front. He's not able to move as clean on rebounds. He's counter-rotating more. He's spreading out. He's opening up. He's wide, so his shoulders are coming lower. As soon as you get outside of your stance, your shoulders drop. The puck's only an inch wide. It's an inch. So you bring your shoulders down two inches, you're getting beat over your shoulder now, and you don't know why. So We have a tendency, as we widen out, you you have a tendency to pull your hands back as a counterbalance. Everything bad bad happens when you get too wide. I don't see one benefit to getting wide off the shot that would help you. Yeah, no, it's... Let me me just say that his posture has gotten a lot better. I was looking at... Look, I was on the ice at six this morning, but I woke up at four because I'm an idiot. I, I should have been in bed at least until five, right? But I got up at four because I have a goalie that I have to talk to that's playing at one of the prep schools here in Connecticut. 
And I and I really wanted to watch his game, which is 12 minutes of clips that his coach sent me yesterday. And the only time I could watch it was really early this morning. So I have a phone call later on in the afternoon. At any rate, the first thing I saw that I'm going to help this kid with is the player on the power play steps off the half wall like a Patrick Kane spot, right? Steps off the half wall like Kane does. And he passes the puck down to the goal line where Kreider is. And when that player received the puck, he had already gone into the butterfly facing the passer, Patrick Kane. He still went down to his, to his knees there. And he's facing his butterfly. So back up the tape and I look at it and I'm like, oh, no wonder. He had brought his knees all the way together in his standing stance. He only had one place to go when that puck went down to the goal line. He dropped in the butterfly. Just reaction. And that's the thing. Like it really, if you don't have your feet under you the right way and have your knees separated in your stance, you can't have an athletic position or posture or movement. And you tend to go down on passes, not a shot on passes. This guy goes down. Even if you go east west, all you've got is a slide. Like, like even if you are able to, you can't beat him on your feet. How many, how many, like, I can't tell every pro reads I do is I'm at my best when I beat plays on my feet. So the question now becomes. This is fascinating. So you can use those photos as a checkpoint for your goalies throughout the season. That's right. Here, What's happening? Are we still on that stance? But also, why is it ha- like, I mean, first thing goes off in my mind, like, why are we widening out as the season goes on? Why are we losing that foundation, that fundamental foundation? Fatigue, practice? Fatigue, as if, I was going to ask you what was fatigue or it was just practices. Like, is what practice are we seeing? Fatigue. Practice, practice all we see in practices is unrealistic shots where, right. you know, if I got a guy walking down, like forget the funnel, yeah, two on O's in practice, the guys walking into the hash marks and teeing it up, shots they won't get all freaking season and they got yeah. 20 of them in a practice. What yeah. am I going to do? I'm going to widen out into shot preparation mode. I'm going to dig in a little there bit. I'm going to almost, I don't say, a, like in sometimes widening out's almost a flinch. Like you're just sort of like, it's it like, totally eh. is. Totally is. And you know what? The um, the one pet peeve I have about team practice is what you just said, where guys skate into the slot to shoot clear-sighted shots. Okay, fine. You, you want to do that? Then I guess we're agree, agreeing upon just doing a breakaway then. I'll take away my breakaway depth. And if you want to do that, I'll just play it like you're shooting early on a breakaway because you're not giving me the funnel shots I need. So fine. Like I'm not going to sit there and get absolutely sliced and diced while I stay in the blue paint. So that's why. If you don't understand the player piece to this, how can you understand the goalie piece and vice versa? It's for both of us. If you shoot unrealistic drills in your team practice on your goaltender, he will turn off mentally. And if he does and he gets disengaged, guess what? You're just shooting on an empty soul in there and you're not getting any better because you're not beating a goaltender that's engaged on a good drill. So that goes that way as well. But the 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 feet thing, that's a big piece here, Woody. This is You've got to keep your feet under you. Well, it's funny because we do see, like, so we're seeing different trends. Multi-stance system. Um, you know, that's something I see here in Vancouver. Like, Demko sort of got a perimeter stance or an outside stance Which where it's narrow. Totally lots of shuffles. Yeah. Yeah. And then a mid-stance and then sort of a safe selection stance. You think it's different for every guy? Like, every guy has to find? Or, or do you think there is a quote-unquote ideal stance where we have the right muscles engaged and the right posture and everybody sort of needs to get, if we could get everyone to that, they'd be better for it? Okay, so let's understand this. It's a little bit of both because let's go back to our conversation about one, two, and three. Let's say that three, okay, is your breakaway stance. Of course, you're going to get low and wide on a breakaway. Of course you are. Every goalie knows that. So let's call that your three. When are you going to use your breakaway stance? 
short one-on-ones, partial breakaways, half ice breakaways. You're going to, you're going to get there. Of course, you're going to get wide there. Yes. Um, when are you going to use your one stance perimeter all the time, blue line back and forth. Vasilevsky's terrific at it. Um, screens. What did I say was the best on screens? All marks great at it. So hi, that's your one stance. One blue line, blue line down the walls. You know what I started doing as I got older, which really helped me was I took my eye off the puck when it was on the wall or it was at the perimeter. And I would look to the face of the puck carrier, especially on the power play. This kicks ass on the power play. The half wall guy's looking. He's looking out. He's looking at his options. Why am I looking at the puck? Look at his face. He's going to tell you where he's passing. Oh, you like that guy over there? That's what I would say to myself. Oh, you like him? Okay, thanks. And then I just follow his pass over. It was my way of reading the play, but taking the blinders off because when the puck goes to the corner, especially if the wall guy comes to the corner, if you press down, you're completely shutting your left eye if he's in the right corner. Can't see it. You're you're so pressed. But a higher stance when the puck is in the corner, a higher stance closer to a one, that opens up the whole my whole left eye. I can see everything on the back door now. So that's a key, right? Now, if he turns his back to me and goes up the wall, I can certainly take my eyes off him and see who he likes and where he's going. But oftentimes, looking at the face will give you that signal. One of the best dinners I ever had was with Tretiak. Um, My former teammate, um, Nabokov, uh, Dmitry Nabokov, but not the goalie. He was the uh, first-round Chicago Blackhawk forward. I was up with the Islanders. He was like, Valley, uh, Tretiak wants to go for dinner with us tonight. Do you want to come? It's like, absolutely. Like, right? And uh-huh. um, it's one of my greatest, yeah. like, I got to meet him at the 2010 Olympics. And, like, I mean, my job is to get to meet, like, the heroes of goaltending. I get, you know, um, you got Price, it. Lundquist, <laughs> Lawan. Like, you get to know these guys and meet these guys yep. and talk about the position. Trek Jack was another level, man. That was, like, one of my all-time great moments. So, 100%. So, this is where I stole this. This is where I, I got this idea from. So I had already, I told you I'm an avid reader. If there's one thing that helped me, it wasn't uh, my OHL education. It was reading on the bus. Good good tip for the goalies. <laughs> really helped me out with my sports psychology know-how and stuff like that. But the Tretiak book that I read, he talked about how he would read by the eyes. He would do it on two-on-ones. He'd do it on breakaways. He said, they, I, read, I read his book already. So at dinner, I asked him, I said, what can you tell me about reading by the eyes? I've tried it. It doesn't really work, especially in practice. He's like, yeah, you can't do it in practice because the guys are going to see that you're doing it and then shoot somewhere else. So it doesn't really work in team practice. But he said, you have to have the courage to do it in a game. Now, here I'm saying, like, okay, so I'm not doing something in practice. And I'm going to try that in a game when I'm just willing my life together and just battling for every inch in the NHL for the first time. I only played six games for the Islanders that year. I'm certainly not playing by the eyes on that night. but he really put it in my head that I had to work on it. And where I found the shooters weren't aware that I was doing it was when they're on the perimeter because they were so far from the net and they couldn't see that I was looking at their faces instead of the puck. Love it. I love it. Oh, man. I feel like we could go for another hour and there would be still a hundred more lessons in here. <laughs> but you, are, you, you, you already told me what your day was like and we have touched so many bases. Um, Steve, man, like, I'm going to cut it off here. We're already in an hour. Thank this is you. short for us. This yeah, is I know. Well, us, well, we, we did have a 40-minute conversation before we started, but I'm going to let you get to the other 6 million things you got to do today. Um, yep. Dude, thank you so much for your time. Uh, I know the – like, I was thinking as we're going along, one thing we're trying to do at Ingle is like, yeah, we got, we got 208 of these now. And yeah. we don't go through the interviews and pull the stories out of them. So it's like we got to do that. 
and sort of just so there's a constant reminder of all these old conversations because there's so much great advice in them. Like oh, we need to have sure. that at end goal. And I was thinking as you're going here, I'm like, that's a story. That's a separate story. That's a <laughs> that's a that's a good pro, that's a good pro drill. That's a good pro tip. That's another story. So thanks, man. Like oh, you you filled filled the notebook today. I really appreciate the time, buddy. And uh, the beautiful part of the way you approach the game is that I know six months from now we can have a conversation again and we're gonna, maybe not six months, I'll give you more time off than that. And it will be a little more often. Talk to talk to Hutch and Darren about that. Seriously. Yeah, we, we we do need to. <laughs> it's something about our schedules. But honestly, I know that six months from now there'd be an entirely new something entirely new that we could talk about and we'd both yeah. be learning from it. So I love it, buddy. I can't thank you enough for your time given how busy you are. Uh awesome stuff. Just My awesome pleasure, stuff. Buddy. Thank you, man. Woody, it feels like that conversation needs a bow to to tie it all together. I'm going to be honest with you. I think it just needs more conversations because there's about 10 different bows. Like <laughs> I think I even said at one point there, he gave an answer and I think I made notes on five different follow-up questions. I'm like, yeah, I want to pull on this thread, but there's too many threads. I'll pull the whole sweater apart. So um, two things that came out of that to me. One, we need to get to Connecticut and get on the ice with Stephen Valaket. Uh, and I will say that I guess we'll put it in the show notes on, on ingolmag.com. But Steve did send me photos the next morning uh, ahead of his ice time of how he sort of has the ice broken up in terms of using that magic marker he talked about. So we'll share that with you. Um, and then we need more of these conversations. As much as we think of him as the ex-NHL goalie and the TV analyst and the analytics guy, uh, it sounds like he's doing some really incredible things with that knowledge on the coaching side. And we're going to continue to reach out to him and touch base with him, whether it's for the podcast or getting out there and shooting some video, because I feel like there's a lot more lessons to learn from it. You guys set up Connecticut. I will meet you there because I need to see this in person. So many different uh, notes that I have written down. And uh, I went back and listened to Steve. Uh, stop, rewind, stop, rewind, and listen to things uh, over and over just to make sure that I was hearing and tracking things right on my little rink board uh, that I had during the uh, the course of listening to that. Uh, what do we got going on over at the website? So much stuff that Hutch can't even remember, including a fresh one that went up last night featuring Scott Wedgwood and Jeff Reese of the Dallas Stars. Scott out right now with a lower body injury, working his way back, had 40 minutes on the ice here in Vancouver. And it was fascinating because it was a lot of crease movement work, um, a lot of simple one-shot drills. He didn't have a shooter. It was just Jeff as the shooter. But, but talking to them after, like, that's the kind of work they miss because during a season when you're healthy, you don't have time to do it. Precision work. And then the drill that came out of it, the, the first one that we shared was basically crease movement patterns, but with a battle element, fighting Jeff Reese at the top of the crease. And it was an absolute burner. Watch the medical staff cutting him off after 40 seconds because the heart rate was so high and they were trying to measure and get him back up to the game performance. So that's a great takeaway that's up at ingolmag.com right now. Latest pro reads features Thatcher Demko. We've got more of those coming. Um, there's a new vision article, Hutch. Yeah, we got a vision article with Dr. Chris Wu, who was uh, a guest on the podcast, along with Kristen Campbell of the Canadian national team, uh, one of his clients, Aiden Hill, he also works with. And uh, so he's going to get into the basics of the visual uh, system, how that applies to your game and there's always a takeaway in his articles including the one that's up there now something you can print out use at home to help your visual system 
Uh, so do suggest that you check that out and, and there'll be more to come. We covered a lot of ground, more than we usually do on an In Goal Radio podcast episode. You mean, due you to mean the fact you, that you, you guys mean, are driving? Yeah, you mean literally because we've gone 50 kilometers since we started? Yeah, all I see is the sky changing because I'm looking through the, the sunroof of the Tesla uh, from my camera angle. It is a very nice sunroof. It feels like it suits you too. We're pretty happy here. Oh, yeah. I'm not going to lie. We're sort of visualizing each having a Tesla wrapped in the InGoal logo, but that's probably a long way from now. Yeah, we're going to need we're going to need we're going to need more of our listeners to go buy a subscription right about now for that to have any chance of happening. If we could sell about uh, 5,000 subscriptions based on our listeners, then, yeah, we'll do this more often. Yeah. Be environmentally friendly. Uh, be eco uh, friendly by subscribing to InGoal Radio, the podcast uh, and InGoal Magazine. We got to do one on the ice, like gathered around a net, just hanging out, three mics, and just leaning we on, would love on that. a net and and doing something like that that would be that would be really cool. Uh, awesome stuff, guys! Uh, thanks for doing this and and fitting it in any way possible. Our listeners certainly appreciate it. And Valaket was fascinating, and the new customizer for uh, the Hyperlight Two uh, from Bauer uh, being available uh, through the hockey shop is uh, really uh, fun to to look forward to. So. Uh, Good job, and we appreciate you being around next week with us because it would not be fun at all if it was just me. So keep that between the uh, the, the lines, okay, pal? Oh, 100%. No problem. This thing drives itself. If that was the case, you wouldn't have been looking at the road so much. I'm going to bust you right now. Uh, thanks to everybody for uh, listening, and uh, talk to you next week on Ingle Radio, the podcast. Mm-hmm.